When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of the Steel Curtain Network. And we are back for another Let's Ride podcast, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning Steelers show. Man, it's good to have you back with us. And we have a Monday morning conversation. I know we didn't have one last Monday, and I'm sure there were a lot of people disappointed by that, but I did not leave you hanging for a second week in a row. I pulled out the stops, got another former BTSC alumnus, now as official beat reporter from a couple beats, actually. And that is none other than Mr. Nick Fairball. You might have heard Nick on some of our other podcasts. He's been on the Curtain Call with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon White before. But I really wanted to talk with him. He has a very unique perspective on the Steelers and also based on the fact that he also covers the Pitt Panthers. So, of course, I'm going to ask him about Kenny Pickett. Of course, I'm going to ask him about Matt Canada. But I also want to get his feel for the upcoming NFL draft. I want to get a feel for what he thinks about this team and and really, ultimately – Is there a reason that Steeler fans should be optimistic? And that's something that a lot of fans struggle with right now. They're sitting there wondering, yeah, I know that the Steelers finished strong last season, and I know that they won seven of nine and four in a row, and Kenny Pickett didn't turn the ball over as much. All that's well and good. I understand that. But to get his take on the optimism moving forward is something that I definitely wanted to dive into. So, Without further ado, this one uh, was similar to Wexel, Jim Wexel, in terms of length. And so I was like, look, this is going to be it. This is going to be the show. So make sure you check out this upcoming segment after this break where I have Nick Faribault on. Hope you enjoy it. See you in a little bit. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time for a Monday morning conversation. Excited for this one. Another former behind the steel curtain, well, not employee, but a volunteer at the time, Nick Faribault joins you. What's up, Nick? How's it going? It's going well, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I've had, I've had, I've been on Jeffrey's yeah. show over there with Shannon too. It's it's always fun to join uh, the BTSC series of podcasts and networks. It's always nice going back where uh, this thing started for me. Yeah, I mean, my gosh, that was a long time ago, though, wasn't it? 
yeah, it was uh 2017, I think. <laughs> Holy um, cow, yeah. I hadn't yeah. been the editor too long there when you joined the the ship, but uh, I'm, I'm hey, good things are happening for you. Before we even get started talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, I want to ask you to share with our listeners where they can find your work. It's great stuff. Uh, go ahead and tell them where they can find you on social media and websites, all that good stuff. Yeah, feel free. You could find me uh, on Twitter at FB. That's my last name with FB. On the end, uh, you can read my stuff at SteelersNow.com, covering the Steelers there, covering Pitt, too, if you're um, a Pitt fan. Um, and then I also host the Locked on Pitt podcast if you are a Pitt fan. And, of course, um, if you're a Pitt fan or just a Steelers fan, and Pitt has a lot of prospects coming out this year, too. So I'll be talking about that and all that. So that's all dandy. Yeah, fantastic. Well, you know, you talk about Pitt and, you know, everyone's got to ask the question, right? I mean, you've probably been on a lot of podcasts. Of course, you're going to get asked every single time about the quarterback, and that is Kenny Pickett. And I've asked everyone I've had on my Monday morning conversation what they thought about Kenny Pickett in his rookie season. Where do you reside? I've, I've only, well, let me start with this. I feel like Kenny Pickett is a very polarizing character, not so much by his own identity. I feel like he's a great guy. It's just, the way everyone feels about him, whether they're Pitt fans, whether they're Penn State fans, and they don't like Pitt. Uh, it doesn't matter. It just feels like some people love him. Some people were on the other side of the boat. Where do you fall and how did you think his rookie year went? Yeah, I think he's an interesting player because I've seen him grow throughout kind of five years that he was at Pitt. So nothing really surprised me about his rookie year. Um, when he was struggling in camp, that didn't surprise me. When he really started out strong coming on late, that didn't surprise me. When he improved over the year, didn't surprise me. Kenny Pickett's a fighter. Kenny Pickett's a great intangible quarterback. He has intangibles that a lot of quarterbacks just don't have. Um, and I think that's going to take him a long way. Because one thing I say about quarterbacks is you have to have one of two things, in my opinion, to be a franchise quarterback or at least have that potential. One, if you have the physical talent, that's your one. And if you pair it with mental, well, you get greats like Mahomes and Brady and all of that. But if you don't have the physical talent, do you have elite mental side? And it's not just about, you know, going through, kind of going to the gate in that mental side. You have to go through it, and you have to have elite mental traits, and you have to have elite leadership traits. I think Kenny Pickett has that. So I think that is a huge boom to him. Now, he doesn't have the best arm. It's not a it's not a terrible arm, but it's not a great arm. He still has to work on his processing, um, and he, st- he just has to work in general on staying in the pocket. Like, that's what he needs to do. But – He's got these intangible qualities that are very good, and his improvement down the stretch should give everybody a lot of hope. His improvement, you know, everyone says improvement isn't linear. His was pretty much throughout that entire season. You know, he was really bad going into the bye week, and then he kind of just went upwards after the bye week. Um, So I thought he was really, really solid. He's accurate. Um, He's a winner. The big moments aren't too big for him. He has that clutch gene. Uh, I thought it was a decent rookie year. It wasn't a great rookie year. You know, the, the first half turnovers were definitely concerning, and I'm not, you know, I know he did a really nice job in the second half with it, but he also wasn't as aggressive in the second half. And in the second half, he also left the pocket too many times um, too early. So there's a lot of things to work on, and there's a lot of things that he has to work on in structure as a pocket passer to me. But – if he takes that next step, I think he could have a pretty good year next year. Um, so that's kind of where I am. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a franchise quarterback. There's about eight of those in the entire league, in my opinion. But he can actually be in the next tier. He can be a Kirk Cousins-ish player. I think that is very clear to me based on what we saw in the first season. So, you know, you bring up a lot of great points, and you talk about the linear progression and things like that. 
So I think that, you know, a lot of fans are really optimistic about 2023 and the prospects of the offense as a whole, not just with Kenny Pickett, the offensive line returning if they don't choose to improve upon it, the running game picking up speed towards the end. But the one thing that everyone was not happy about was Matt Canada's return. Now, you look at the game differently than most fans do because you have a more analytical approach. When you heard the Steelers were keeping Matt Canada, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty big mistake, and, and there's a few reasons why that is. Um, I understood why they did it. Um, they did it because they improved down the stretch, and they feel like that's going to help Kenny Pickett get better. Um, so, yeah, I understand why, but here's the reason why. One, Matt Canada's scheme just isn't suited to making a quarterback better. Uh, it just doesn't help a young quarterback grow. It's a run-first scheme, which is okay if you work that off, say, play action, if you work it off, you know, Abundant passing concepts, um, and that's really not what they do. Their passing game schematics, their passing game calls are just not good, and they don't give Kenny Pickett a ton of options in the route tree. So it's very limited for a young quarterback, and that can work at first when you're trying to get him comfortable, but when you're trying to take the next leap, that's going to hamper him. Um, and then the lack of play action that they use. I mean, Matt Canada needs to use more play action if they're going to run the ball as well as they did in the second half. That was staggering. They started running the ball really well, and the play action game was nothing more than rollouts on the to dump off on the flat. Like that needs to be a more dynamic passing attack under center, um, and and that's why I really just I don't see it with Matt Canada. Um, his scheme is okay at a base level. Is it a little Saturday ish, as Steve Smith called it a little bit ago? Uh, it, it is a little bit. Uh, it does have a lot of college concepts, and it hasn't leveled up everything to the NFL level. Matt Canada can work in a run game environment very well, but can he help Kenny Pickett go to the next level as a offensive coordinator? I'm not sure. Um, his play calling isn't really conducive to that. He's not a good play sequencer. So he'll call the wrong play on first down and, and then call it on second down. So it's mixed up and then really puts them back. He doesn't really produce a lot of explosive plays in his offense, at least at the NFL level from what we've seen. And he really didn't do it a ton at the, uh, NCAA level either. I mean, if you're a Pitt fan, you saw him do that, but that was an outlier for a lot of his seasons. And so he's not a proven developer of quarterbacks. He doesn't really have good passing game concepts. He's a pretty bad play caller. So I don't know. It just didn't make much sense to me. So I guess the follow-up question, I think you just answered it is it that, is this kind of what you see is what you get with Matt Canada that we shouldn't see like a, a a new style, not so much a style, but the fact that they might trust Kenny Pickett a little bit more, giving him a little bit more on his plate, making the play calling a little bit more dynamic with the passing concepts that you mentioned. You think what you see is what you get in 2023? Yeah, I mean, largely I do. Um, I, it's just not a it's not a great passing scheme. That's never really been what you went to Matt Canada's offense for. It was always his run game concepts with the jet sweeps and the motions and all of these different things they does. It's a really good run game scheme. I think, I think people uh, overhate the jet sweep. Actually. I think they didn't run enough jet sweeps last year at a lot of the times. Um, I just think Matt Canada kind of doesn't have the passing game oriented to what an NFL young quarterback should have. So you need a lot of play action, but if you're a run first offense and you don't run that play action, well, why aren't you? I mean, it should help Kenny Pickett get big plays over the middle of the field, and yet I rarely I rarely remember them targeting the middle of the field off play action. Now they did it. You know, they ran some scene balls. They ran some post George Pickens. Um, they did that, but it really wasn't off play action. And so you're not getting easy chunk plays for your quarterback. You're not making layup throws for your quarterback very easy. 
Um, and I just think that's really that can really really detrimental to a young quarterback when you're asking him to play in structure when he's so good out of structure and he's just able to create with his legs. It's just going to help him develop a tendency on using his legs and trying to make those plays. And Kenny Pickett is really good off balance and, and working outside the pocket, but he also has to become more consistent in the pocket and be able to make those throws and make those reads. And if there's no layups, he's just going to rely on his athleticism and his ability to work outside of structure to make those plays. And I think we saw that a little bit in the second half of the year where he made some plays that weren't there in the scheme, but I don't remember seeing a ton of them just schemed up by Matt Canada in the passing game. And I think that is particularly what is worrisome. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, as a fan base, the narrative is that there's a lot of optimism about the offense as they have a very young, good, a good core nucleus of young players, a lot of high draft picks there. But then you go to the defensive side of the ball. And this is to me, one thing that a lot of fans are not talking about this enough. Everyone wants to talk about Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett, and rightfully so. But you look on the defensive side, and, and there are some holes there, Nick. I mean, they got they have to have to look in free agency, both in their own free agents and outside the NFL draft. If you're looking at in terms of defensive team needs, in terms of positional team needs, what tops your list heading into this offseason? I think the defensive line actually does. Uh, you look at the D line and they need three players on the D-line just based off who's a free agent or performance level. You know, Ogan Joby's a free agent. I assume Tyson Alulu is going to retire. Chris Warmly tore his ACL. So you really don't have much there. Um, Leal is kind of a D-lineman, but he was working at edge a lot last year. So is he the starting five technique across from Cam Hayward? I don't know. Then you also have the fact that Cam is 34, so you have the draft. For that, uh, I just think they need a lot of D-linemen. You know, they have Montrevious Adams, who can be a piece there. They have Isaiah Loudermilk. But really, they have four guys in that D-line room that they trust. You know, they have you know the Carlos Davises, the Jonathan Marshalls, and a few others there still. But none of those guys really inspire any confidence in you. So I feel like, you know, it's, it's also not a great D-line class, um, which is worrying um, to me. So I think they got to sign a few guys, maybe two guys out of the free agency packet, um, whether they bring back Joby or, or whatever, you know, war, if they bring back warmly, that can help, but he's probably not going to be ready for 2023 uh, opening day because he tore his ACL so late in the year. Uh, so it's just a lot of moving parts on that D line. You have immediate needs at, at five tech and probably nose tackle. Um, and then you have future needs where Cam Hayward's 34 years old and yes, he's elite still, but you know, it's, it's sometimes it's not about just how elite cam is going to be. Sometimes it's about, how long does he still want to play? Um, and I think yeah. that's going to be kind of the question uh, coming up next offseason if Kim Hibbert does want to play uh, continuing forward, even though he's playing at an elite level. Um, he did want to come back this year. But, you know, this defense has needs. Linebacker is another big one. I just don't know what they're going to do there. You know, Bush and Spillane are both free agents. Jack has a huge cap hit. And then cornerback, too, they got to bring back Cam Sutton. Um, but I think corner is a good spot to upgrade. But I really look at D-line. You know, it's just an essence of their defense. They got to fix that and make sure uh, that their D line is really up to snuff. If you had to choose one of the safeties that are free agents, and we're talking Demonte KZ or Terrell Edmonds, and you had to pick one to bring back and one to let go coming into twenty twenty three, which one would it be and why? I'd probably bring back Edmonds. Um, I think you know KZ's solid. He's a ball hawk. He's aggressive, but Edmonds has such a has such an essence of kind of what allows Minka Fitzpatrick to be Minka Fitzpatrick. And what I mean by that is. 
Terrell Edmonds fits about six roles into one guy. You know, he can play at the overhang slot. He can drop down to the box linebacker in sub packages and be like a dime linebacker. He can be a traditional strong safety. He can be a single high safety. He can be a slot corner. He can be just so many different things. And he, you can move him around and ask him to be really good in run support. You can ask him to erase tight ends. You can ask him to go over a slot receiver. And then you can ask him to roll him over the top as a free safety sometimes and be fine because he's athletic and, and has the instincts to do it. He's just such a versatile chess piece. And then as a byproduct of that, Minka Fitzpatrick is able to move around, right? He can go to that robber role. He can come down near the line of scrimmage, and then they got to worry about where's 39. And that makes Minka a lot more dangerous, and they can run a lot of different things with those two. Not that they couldn't run as much with KZ. They can run a lot of that with KZ, um, but I just think Edmonds is a more solid player than KZ. He's been a more durable player over his career than KZ. Uh, and Edmonds and, and Minka just kind of have that uh, synergy together that I would think that they should really keep together. I think they should really keep most of the secondary together if they can. Um, I think Edmonds and Sutton feel like easy re-signs to me, um, if, you know, just decision-wise. Um, and so I, I imagine that Edmonds would be the pick, and, and that's why I would pick Edmonds too. Let's look a little bit into the offseason in terms of the NFL draft. You're a big draft guy. You follow college football closely. And for the first time in a long time, the Steelers have three picks in the top 50. And that there's there's going to be a tremendous opportunity for the Steelers to capitalize in a lot of different ways. You know, if Omar Khan would want to trade, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people that would like to move to that 32nd pick. The, the quarterbacks, obviously, the Steelers are probably not in the market for those. Cornerback has been also talked and mocked to the Steelers a lot. Where do you think the depth is in this upcoming draft class? Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of the depth when we talk about kind of the draft, it's one a corner for sure. There's a ton of corners at the top. There's a lot of corners down the bottom. I mean, this corner class is as good of a corner class as there have been in the last five years. So I think that's an easy one to kind of jump into. Tight ends really good this year. Not that the Steelers really need one, but they probably could use a a third one if, if Zach Gentry walks. Um, I like the O-line class. I think it's a pretty deep O-line class, honestly. You know, there's not any elite, like, eight guys at the top. There's, you know, Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky, and Paris Johnson at tackle. And then really inside, you know, there's a few guys that are kind of clustered around one another with Torrance and, and Avila and Schmitz and, and all these other guys. But it's deep. And, and you could find really quality players at that O-line position pretty long into the draft. So I think O-line, both interior and tackle, are pretty good in this class. I really like the corner class. The tight ends are deep. You know, wide receiver, it doesn't have the top that a lot of the the, the, the other drafts have had, but they have a lot of deep players, I think. So it's a deep receiver class where you can get contributors later in the draft. It's a little thinner at, like, linebacker, uh, D-tackle, uh, I would say, is a little thin, but – I think you, you can get a lot of quality uh, players at a good good few positions of need uh, that the Steelers have in corner, um, interior line, tackle, and, and wide receiver. It's awesome stuff there. And, and, you know, one of the things I want to ask you about, you know, you're someone that's been to practices, you've been to training camp. With the retirement of John Mitchell this past week, it, it now puts the Steelers with 15 coaches on their coaching staff. You know, they lose Brian Flores. They've already lost – um, Blaine Stewart, although it's assistant wide receivers coach, but still now they're down to 15. 
What are your thoughts on Mike Tomlin deciding? And I guess it maybe isn't just Mike Tomlin. It could be Art Rooney II as well of having such a small coaching staff compared to some teams. Do you think that's actually a benefit or do you think that the Steelers could actually do better in terms of bringing in more coaches to help improve the talent? What are your thoughts on the coaching staff? I, I think they could add a few, few guys. And I say that because you're really putting a lot of emphasis on a lot of those position coaches and, and, you know, Frisman Jackson would get some help from Blaine Stewart because, well, Frizz could, could focus on the outside guys or could focus on these young guys. Uh, you know, Blaine would then take, you know, the experienced guys like a Deontay because Deontay doesn't maybe need as much coaching anymore, or it could even be flipped. Uh, I remember, you know, this year specifically at O-line, they had Pat Meyer working with the more experienced vets, you know, kind of the second year players and up. And then you kind of had the younger guys working with Isaac Williams. Um, so you had even, I think Dotson joined Williams a little bit. Dan Moore did a little bit. Um, so even some of those younger guys, you know, third year and second year guys would go with him. So they would split the younger guys with the assistant O-line coach and the older guys with the O-line coach. I, I think that it helps a little bit to help your young players develop that way. And I think the Steelers are going to add their, to their coaching roster. I, I do think that they'll add maybe an assistant here or there. I still think that they could add a, senior offensive assistant or a senior defensive assistant. Uh, Brian Flores wasn't just kind of an outlier necessarily. You know, Terrell Austin had that job before Flores did. I don't know if it'll come on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball, but I could see that being a thing. And I think that actually has really helped Mike Tomlin in a lot of ways because Brian Flores would help with clock management. He would help with game day challenges. You know, Kenny Pickett credited him with helping essentially get the two-minute drill running well. Uh, so just like little things like that where I can help Mike Tomlin on game days. Uh, I think that you need guys like that. Uh, they certainly need another assistant head coach. I mean, John Mitchell was very key to the integrity of the locker room and just kind of helping out Mike Tomlin with not having so much on his plate. So I think really with only 15, Mike Tomlin is just going to have an overwhelming amount of guys uh, just asking him to do too much. So I think they're going to ask a few guys to come on board. But I think the smaller staff, even if they add two or three guys, will still be near the bottom. Uh, it's it's not a super detriment to them, but I think it's certain receipt. I think it's certain positions like a corner room, um, you know, Grady Brown and Terrell Austin kind of man that up together. A D line where you kind of have outside linebacker and D line and interior D line, O line receiver where you have outside slot. Uh, it's It's nice to have that differentiation and be able to have the help of some coaches. But I think the smaller step also keeps them more cohesive. It keeps the plan together. And I think it kind of allows that one vision to not get muddled up throughout a larger coaching staff. And, and they have plenty of ideas, differing ideas on this staff. So I think as long as they add two or three other guys, I think 17 and 18 actually can help them a little bit. They won't have all that much on their plate relative to their positions. And it kind of still allows them to – I guess you could say differentiate and ex and get their expertise out in good ways. All right. Last question for you, Nick, before I let you go, as we sit here right now, this, you know, the new league year starts in March, obviously with free agency kicking off, but the Steelers know their opponents for next year. They just don't know the schedule and the draft still upcoming. As we sit here right now, what's your outlook on the 2023 Steelers? Are you optimistic? Are you a little hesitant? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's tough, right? Because there's a lot to be optimistic about. Um, Kenny Pickett's and development is really good. George Pickens, uh, they have a young offense that you feel like should be getting better. 
but the defense just has so many questions on it too. So, you know, it wasn't a nine and eight roster really on paper. I think they overachieved. I think that's something that's been overlooked a lot. Um, when looking at their nine and eight record, they didn't have a really easy schedule. Um, if you kind of look at how hard that schedule was, it was one of the tougher ones in football. I think football outsiders ranked it as like the second toughest schedule in the NFL. So they played a pretty brutal schedule last year. Um, and they came out nine and eight with it. They need to keep a lot of the guys on defense that helped them get there. Um, you know, the, the Cam Sutton's, the Terrell Edmonds, I think they will. Um, as long as they keep that together, I think that they, they need to focus on upgrading the offense. And I think that's really where we're going to kind of be talking about does this team take a step forward? They have the makings of being a playoff team next year. The O-line gelled together. Najee Harris found himself, and he's got Jalen Warren now with him, so he's not going to completely collapse off the bone, you know, running 85% of the snaps all season long. They have a decent enough receiving attack, uh, and, and that defense has the stars. It has T.J. Watt. It has Alex Highsmith butting into one. Um, you have Cam Hayward, and you have Minka. Um, and as long as you have – the essence of what you had last year, which is the Sutton, the Edmonds is, um, and you fix linebacker and D-line, I think this team can be good. I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. Um, I think Matt Canada caps their ceiling, um, being the offensive coordinator, because he does do a lot of things that can cause them to lose games. But this team could be a playoff team next year, and they probably should be, to be quite honest with you. The AFC is going to have a lot of change upcoming this year with a lot of people moving around. And I think the Steelers should have a bit more continuity than most of those teams. And they should have Kenny Pickett growing into his second year. And so you look at the team, and it probably should be a playoff team next year if everything goes right and it doesn't fall off the rails. So I'm optimistic about it. Uh, I'm a little less optimistic after Man Canada came back. I thought that a change of schematics could really work. But uh, I, I think that this team is, is good enough, and as long as – there's not so much change that I don't envision there being either. Um, I think that this team has the makings of, of taking the next step and pushing up to, say, 10-7, and 11-6 next year. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Nick. Why don't you remind everyone where they can find you on social media and your website again one last time. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at FairbyFB. Check out my stuff, uh, Steelers stuff at SteelersNow.com. Follow Locked on Pit for Pit stuff. All right. Thanks a lot, Nick. We appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. No problem. And a big thank you to Nick for taking the time. I did. The guy does a lot. Like he's covering the Pitt Panthers. He's, which is all sports. He's covering the Steelers. I think he does a lot of uh, NFL or NCAA stuff. So he knows the NFL draft really well. Just, I really appreciated him taking the time out of his busy schedule to talk with us. And it is crazy that all these people tend to have. You know, everyone talks about Mike Tomlin's coaching tree. What's up with Jeff Hartman's, uh, you know, writer's tree? A lot of writers have gone on and moved on. I'm, I'm very proud of that. I, I do enjoy the fact that a lot of people that have started out at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, that website still exists, by the way, have gone on to bigger and better things. So that's really cool to see Nick is doing big things and, and great things uh, here on his own and with uh, his respective website. Look, I also want to remind you all, there's some big announcements coming up. We're going to get to that as we near the end of the month. Be on the lookout for those. Also be on the lookout for, on Tuesday morning, the tweet for the mailbag segment. You don't want to miss it. On Wednesday, I answer all your questions. Just find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I'm going to use a GIF. I'm going to make it obvious. I'll retweet it on the Behind the Steel Curtain uh, feed. You respond. I answer it. That's all you got to do. 
and that'll be live on Wednesday in the second half. But folks, that does it for me. If you were off work on Monday and you're just listening to this on Tuesday, that's fine. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you have a good start to your week. And as we always finish it out here, be safe, be kind, and God bless. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.